Today, I had the pleasure of talking with Tim about his journey with authentic relating. To reach either myself or Tim, please email us at spiritroadpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Awkwardly Zen Presents Spirit Road, a podcast about our spiritual journey where we can be awkwardly ourselves. It's a path that can be funny, absurd, enlightening, and life-changing all at the same time. Join us as we explore this mysterious world and life we live in. I'm Tim Behrens. I'm Laurie Hewitt. And, and this, this is, is Spirit Road. Hi, Tim. Welcome. Hi there. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So today I thought it would be interesting for you to talk a little bit about authentic relating because you know so much and I'm so curious about what all of that means and how that all works. Yeah, I I would love that. It's been a huge part of my journey. Um, I feel like those practices as I know them or as I've been introduced to them have a lot of crossover with the spiritual community, even specifically with people who are practitioners, that at its core, authentic relating is about, to me, feels about creating safe space. And you can say safe space, but uh, but it also comes up too that if anyone hears that word who has been in an unsafe space, they know that that's not truly authentic because you can never promise anyone that things won't happen that trigger them or affect them in some way. But um, I loved at a recent training I was at, they used the term brave space, you know, creating spaces where people feel empowered to be themselves, to test the waters of vulnerability and to share more of what's happening in their inner world with the people who are around them in their outer world. And I think at the core of it too, that's what authenticity means is like, there are things, these these thoughts and these feelings and these emotions that happen within us. And authenticity is um, the act of representing what's actually happening in your inner world as you communicate it to the people around you. Oh, wow. So instead of sitting back and thinking, if I say this and people really knew what I was feeling or thinking, they would hate me, is trusting that I can just say that out loud and it'll be at least heard. (laughs) Right. And I think there might be a a misconception sometimes, too, that I've heard that uh, authentic relating in particular, but authenticity in general, is about sharing everything. And it may not be that. If if my inner world is telling me I don't feel safe expressing what's going on inwardly or that I I have a lot of anxiety coming up about what I want to say, sharing that would be authentic. It may not be sharing what's happening. It may just be sharing the the fact that something is happening that's keeping me from being totally transparent in a situation. That would be authentic to acknowledge that. I like and, that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, where can I start? My and this is all my understanding. And so so many ways I'm very new to these practices, but I love them so much that I also like to talk about what I've learned and what I know. I mean, my understanding is that authentic relating as a practice, as a movement that exists is is something that developed from Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. And that in in essence is 
trying to communicate with others in a way that doesn't put them on the defense, saying, you know, I, I have feelings and needs, but I want to take ownership of what those are in such a way that I'm not putting the burden of that on you. I, you know, I, I don't want to say something um, like so often we might say in a situation, I feel judged, but judgment is not a feeling. It's a projection of an action that someone is making against you. So the, the question might be, when I think someone is judging me, how do I feel? And what I feel is hurt or abandoned shame. or shame. It, it, these things that actually happen internally. And when we can take ownership of those, then we can try and communicate in such a way where where we're allowing an authentic dialogue to happen about, you know, what our needs and our desires are that's actually going to elicit the response that we want as opposed to putting someone on the defense and creating division, which happens so much in communication. So anyways, that set of practices, and that could be a whole other podcast talking about nonviolent communication, but those set of practices led to something called circling, which is a relational meditation. And circling is, it, it can feel very strange if you've never experienced it before, but it's, it's um, when we think about meditation, we think about going inward and mm -hmm. coming in touch with the feelings and things that are coming up, looking at the stories that we're telling ourselves, trying to not attach to them, just acknowledge they're there, let them go, return to our breath. Well, a relational meditation would be the same thing of coming in touch with ourselves, but then being present in a room of others who are doing the same thing and saying, how is what I'm experiencing relating to what's happening right here, right now in the room with the others that are there? And then we communicate those things and we try and stay present to where we're not reflecting on experiences from the past or worries of the future. We're just like, what is happening right here, right now between you and me? And, and then we talk about that and it brings a congruence. It brings us together in a way that we're, we're communicating in a vulnerable way. We're transparent about what's happening in our worlds, and then we're finding where those intersects are, where we can actually create real connection. I like that. It's it's a Seems wonderful a practice. Scary. It's very scary. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, also too, it's very validating because we come into these situations, like thinking of circling or authentic relating games, where you're doing these things. You may come in with a lot of anxiety, thinking about what am I going to share? What's that going to feel like? How am I going to be judged? What will people think of me? And then, then you start talking about these things in the room and it's like, everyone has come in with those same feelings uh, and, and you start to realize, wow, this is not unique. What I'm experiencing, this is spirit having a human experience. And part of that experience is the anxiety of what happens in connection. What happens when we really let someone into our inner world and, and know us for who we are. All of these fears that have been piled on us through the years or expectations of how we should be. Um, they come to the surface in a pretty powerful and 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 scary way, and and so uh, so authentic relating games, as I know them, I discovered this right before the pandemic kind of hit and the world shut down. I had these experiences of going to game nights, which is essentially coming together with people who have a, who have a desire to be in connection uh -huh. and um, to be in this space of exploring vulnerability, and and the games are not games as we would traditionally think of them. They're, they're more prompts and exercises that will allow us to create a container for exploring those feelings that come up, that anxiety, whatever it might be, in such a way that we can really know each other. Mm -hmm. and, and I found after the first few times I went to those, I would, I would come into a night with 12 people in the room. 
who I'd never met before. And we'd, we'd, we'd do these exercises together for a few hours. And when it was done, nobody wanted to leave because it felt like we had new friends who knew us in some ways more intimately than people who had known us for years. And doesn't that really speak to maybe sadly our relationships in the world right now? That in that brief time, you meet these people and feel that connection, as you just said, deeper than people you've known forever, that we're not relating authentically to each other, even in our closest relationships sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that we all go around, or this is my feeling, that how I feel that I've been in the past, that we all go around waiting for cues as to how we're supposed to interact in the world. Yes. And the cues that we get these days are more about the roles that we fulfill and less about who we are as people. You know, what is required of me in this moment? What are the expectations of me in this moment? Not who am I? What's happening in my inner world? How do I feel about this? Is it okay to talk about struggle? You know, standing next to someone in the elevator, it's like it's usually about the weather and not about, or, or, or how are you doing when someone asks that? Are they really expecting an answer as to how you're doing? Or are they just playing this kind of role of making a surface level connection? Um, and sometimes it's just out of feelings of awkwardness, right? Is there a desire yeah. there to actually connect with someone? How are you really doing? What's present for you right now? Yeah. And that brings it back to the relational meditation. Like what's actually happening in yeah. your world and how does that correlate and interact and align with with what I'm going through right now, where do we have an opportunity for real connection? Mm -hmm. I think that's the question that authentic relating would ask. I like that because I think when people do ask you that sort of standard, Oh, how you doing? They don't really want to know how you're doing. They want you to say, Oh, everything's fine. How are you? You know, right. and it's all that surface. I, I was in a situation not too long ago where someone asked me that and I found myself really telling them how I was doing. And they were like, Oh, thank <laughs> you. You actually shared that. I was like, yes, I did. Yeah. Well, and so this is the beauty of authentic relating practices is like coming out of one of those experiences where you've had two or three hours with people that you don't necessarily know. Um, one aspect of it is maintaining nonverbal eye contact with someone, which can be oh, very wow. scary, but thinking of yes. the eyes as the gateway to the soul how powerful is it to sit in silence, maintaining eye contact with someone? Like when you have that experience for a while, yeah. it can feel very scary, but also there comes this moment where things shift and you're just looking at a presence, another, a reflection of yeah. you, another, another spiritual traveler who, for whatever reasons you've crossed paths with, it's like you start to lose the differences and you start to see the things we have in common. You see yourself in that, those eyes looking back. And then you find, I want more of this. I really want to know these people who are around me, who I'm walking this world with. And you have, you have this wonderful experience of connecting and, and then you leave and it becomes very apparent how surface some of our interactions are. But also you leave with a bit of an empowerment to test the waters of what feels comfortable to get at what you really want to know in an interaction. Like if, if I could ask someone anything and trust that they could take responsibility for themselves to answer or not answer. If I could just allow myself to be curious and mm -hmm. to desire deeper connection, what kinds of interactions could I have in the world? And then you start to test the waters of that. And as you test the waters, you find, you know, in one sense, what we just said is true, that people, when they mm -hmm. say, how are you doing in an elevator? 
they don't really want to hear that answer. But if you dig a little deeper, if you get into the, you know, the waters of authenticity, um, the truth is that everyone really does. They just don't know it yet because we're all out of practice. Right. It's like, how much more powerful is it to let someone into your world? And then I'd even go a step further to say we spend a lot of our days presenting a version of ourselves that isn't entirely in line with how we want to be in the world. Mm-hmm. It's more about the roles we're expected to play or what we think other people want to hear and see and know from us. When we get into the practice of projecting who we truly are, we find that we spend less time on those connections that aren't really working and more time seeking out the ones that really do. And we give people an opportunity to seek that in us as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and it's, and for me, that's the core of why these practices are so important because we desperately need that. We spend so much of our lives trying to fit into holes that aren't made for us, you know, trying to fit into um, roles that aren't made for us. Um, um, that is so true. Yes. Yeah. I have to say that when we first met and we had our one-on-one conversation the first time, there was this feeling of comfort and familiarity and a feeling that of trust that I could be authentic with you and share without judgment and without being afraid. And it was partly because you modeled that as well. And so right from the beginning, it felt so comfortable to have that communication with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that feels so good to hear. And bringing this back as we probably maybe wrap up this, I would love to have more conversations as we dive into what, you know, where where did authentic relating evolve from? You know, where is it being practiced now? How can you find it in your community? How can you start it in your community? Right. You know, what are the agreements that we come in that allow us to create those safe spaces? There's so many things that would be wonderful to talk about, but bringing it back to that original idea, why is it important for practitioners or people in the spiritual community. And I think what you just described as a big part of it is that we are, those of us who are exploring these aspects of spiritual community are, there are so many empathic people, so many intuitive people. And when there is a dissonance or an incongruence between what you're saying to someone and what's actually happening in your inner world, people, people will sense that. Yes. And, and, and in turn, when that doesn't click or line up, their guard will go up. Something is happening here that doesn't feel right to me. That is the natural reaction is I need to put my defenses up because I don't know what's coming next. And so creating a safe space, even in practitionership, someone where you can be transparent about what's happening in your world, whatever that is, and express that. Even what I, one thing I love that you do, Lori, is like um, we talk about with mediumship, that idea of discerning whether a message yeah. is you or your ego, right? Yes. Even yeah. to hear you say that makes me feel so much more comfortable because I trust mm-hmm. that if something came through that you weren't sure about, I trust that you would take a moment to check in with yourself, that you would mm-hmm. ask those questions. And it's because you're transparent about what your process is. Yes. And so that creates a safer space where I feel more vulnerable and more allowing of letting myself ask the questions that I really want answers to. So yeah, it's really this process of, How do we create these spaces where we can all let our guards down and just have meaningful interactions that get us to the core of what we need to know Mm -hmm. and and to to what we want to experience and how we want to be in connection with each other? I love that. Thank you so much for sharing this. 
Yeah, thank you. And we can continue the conversation, I'm sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Talk to you soon. 